Welcome to the Unsweetened SIO podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsio.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 17 of Unsweetened Sio, the podcast. How's everybody doing today? I've got a little bit of a cold, so sorry if I sound a little more nasally than normal. The whole house has been sick, my husband the most. Luckily, I've just kind of got a touch of whatever he has, but I leave in a few days for Hawaii for another event gig, so I am hoping to be better before then because I've been really looking forward to this trip so much. So hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm getting better. I will say that since I've given up sugar and flour, I notice that um, I don't get sick quite as much as I used to or as severe as I used to. So like, you know, again, kind of whatever my husband had is a lot worse and I have maybe just a tiny touch of what he's had. I mean, still don't feel great, but I also know that it could be a lot worse. So I am grateful for that. And I don't know if it's a touch of allergies too. I don't, I'm so grateful that I do not get seasonal allergies, at least that I am aware of. But I remember getting kind of sick around this time last year too. And it's something about when the seasons change, you know, I don't like struggle with allergies on an ongoing basis, but I do notice around this time of year, once we're changing to more springtime, that I do get this like cold. So anyway, that's what I've been dealing with. So I don't quite have my full energy and I've been trying to rest and take good care of myself as much as I can. The kids have been a little bit sick too, but have rebounded pretty quickly. But um, poor my daughter right now has a pretty same kind of cough situation. So she's been up a few times in the nights and again, makes me so grateful for the times that everyone just sleeps through the night. It's really hard to not get a a full night's sleep. So although I'll be working very hard in Hawaii, I am looking forward to having um, hopefully a few really good nights sleep and finally kind of kick this out of my system completely. So let's hope for that. But anyway, uh, today I want to talk about why I am not on social media and also kind of related, uh, give you a book update of kind of what I'm thinking right now. So um, I wanted to start, though, by asking a favor for any listeners out there that either struggle with sugar addiction currently, maybe you've been listening to my podcast, you know, I've gotten a few emails of people saying, oh my gosh, your story is my story and, you know, everything you've said just really resonates with me 
And, you know, I thought maybe I had a eating disorder, but I really think I'm addicted to sugar. So, um, I would love if you are one of those people, and even if you haven't been able, like maybe you're just aware that this could be a problem, but you haven't been able to actually kick the habit yet, which I totally understand because it's a huge undertaking. I would love to talk to you. I'd love to interview for the podcast so that, you know, other people listening that might be struggling can relate. Um, You know, my whole kind of point of this podcast and of why I started writing this book was to build a community for myself since I, you know, decided I didn't want to join any other kind of sugar program. Um, I wanted to just do it kind of my own way. But, you know, the benefit of doing a program, like maybe Food Addicts Anonymous or something like that, is that you do have other people to talk to that are going through the same thing and you have this great community of support. So that's something, you know, that has been lacking for me. So the podcast helps me just feel more connected and feel like I am, you know, a part of this community. So I'd love to hear from people, you know, also struggling, hoping that we can help other people. Or if you also, you know, maybe have overcome your sugar addiction, even if it's been years ago, but you remember, you know, how hard it was, we'd love to interview you and have you on the podcast as well so we can hear your stories of success. So I would love for, you know, whether you're struggling or if you have been successful, I'd love to invite you on the podcast so we can talk about it Um, and hear, you know, especially if you were able to successfully kick your sugar habit, kind of what helped you, you know, along the way. And if you are interested, please just send me an email. You can contact me through my website, um, www.unsweetensio.com. And there's a contact page with my email. Please send me an email. I'd love to have you on so that, you know, we can hear from other people's stories as well. And I hope, you know, my whole dream for this is just to have a community of support because I know how lonely addiction can feel. Um, and it's still not being medically recognized. So that makes it kind of even more isolating. So anyway, back to the topic, which is all kind of related today. You know, I've got a lot on my mind and I really just wanted to share with you. So first kind of a book update. Right now, I've kind of decided just to put that on hold. Um, I'm really struggling. I just want to be really honest here. I'm really, really struggling with um, completing the book. So you know, originally when I gave up sugar on January 13th, 2018, I did, I did, um, start writing every single day, just had a word document open on my laptop. And every day I would write an entry like day one, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I ate. Um, day two, so on and so on for the entire 365 days. 
So I did a whole year of journaling and the goal was to turn that journal into a book because I wanted that to be a resource for people that, again, like me, might know, you know, that they have this sugar addiction and are struggling with it, but also did not want to join one of these other, you know, sugar programs that help you quit sugar because it just didn't resonate with them. You know, whether for me it was, you know, I didn't want to measure my food. I didn't want to cut out like grains completely. I didn't want to, um, not be able to snack or, Whatever, I wanted to experiment a little bit because I truly believe, you know, what works for one person isn't going to work for everybody, even, you know, if it's a group of sugar addicts. What helps one person get sober isn't going to help everybody get sober. I think there are so many different paths that you can take to successfully overcome your sugar addiction. And, you know, that's just kind of what my gut was telling me. Um, when I decided to do this and I knew that I had to at least give up sugar and give up flour, all sugar, all flour, but that was it. You know, I didn't want to otherwise restrict myself too much more, um, than doing those things. Cause that seemed like it was going to be hard enough, which it was. So I started writing every day and it really helped keep me on track and help keep me accountable because I felt like I had this audience that was depending on me, you know, to be successful and was cheering me on and helping me through those hard days. And it really, I mean, I really imagined all of you just kind of boosting me up. And I really credit that writing every single day Um, I really credit that as being one of the key factors of why I've been able to continue eating this way and, you know, overcoming my sugar addiction. I'm not sure I would have been able to do it had I not been doing that. You know, I'm also a person, you know, just made me feel really organized. I like to be scheduled and organized. I know, I know I'm kind of boring, Um, but it helps me just operate on a more relaxed level when, you know, I kind of have a plan. And so by writing kind of every day and checking in and even just jotting down what I had been eating, what I had been feeling, um, it just made me feel more organized. So for me, it was hugely beneficial, And again, I just always have told myself if I can give up, if I can get over my sugar addiction, um, something that I've struggled with, you know, my entire life from as early as I can remember, then I want to help other people, you know, um, I just don't want other people suffering from this because I just know how hard it is. And I wanted to share, you know, um, that gift of helping other people possibly overcome their sugar addiction. But again, I don't have a specific uh, diet plan or program, you know, and that's kind of what works better for a book, Um, you know, trying to say, this is the way I did it and it's the only way to do it. 
Um, you know, that's kind of what sells books. People want to know, okay, here's what I do. But unfortunately, that doesn't feel authentic for me because, again, my whole point is um, you don't have to do it my way. There's not one way to do it. And you kind of part of the process is figuring out how to do it your own way because I really believe that's the only way to be um, successful for the long term. You know, if you're following someone else's plan, what worked for them, yeah, it might work for a year or, you know, maybe not even a full year, but a few months, a year, two years. But at some point, it probably will stop working for you. And I kind of was hearing that when I was part of that Kick Sugar Summit um, online summit um, earlier this year, I was listening to some of the other interviews and that's kind of what it, it sounded like for some people that were following these really strict programs. It did work great for a while, but then it started feeling too hard. Like it was still work. And I have to say, again, that's like the most freeing thing to me right now is that the way I eat and the way I live now does not feel like work at all. You know, maybe a little bit when I was in Italy, um, but for the most part, it's so easy that it just has become second nature. It doesn't feel like something that I'm struggling with. Like I'm not, you know, white knuckling every day trying to stay on this diet. It just doesn't feel like that anymore. It's become just really easy you know, versus when I was addicted to sugar, I was kind of living every day suffering through trying to either, you know, eat one way or just being constantly bombarded by cravings. Um, it was just exhausting way to live. It really now is just so much easier that I just don't eat sugar and I just don't eat flour. You know, that's kind of my two rules, but Besides that, I've kind of just been listening to my body and evolving through this journey of experimentation with what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And I feel like that's something that's going to continue to evolve for my whole life. You know, how I eat right now is going to be very different from how I eat even a few months from now, you know, definitely from you know, the time when I was maybe a teenager and a lot more active to now to even when I'm, you know, 20 years from now, when I'm slowing down a lot more, our body just has different needs at different stages through our life. So I think it's really hard to, you know, find that one magical program that works for everybody. And then to think that it's going to last your whole life. You know, I just feel like that's pretty unrealistic. So I just wanted to help give people tools to help figure out their own path and the encouragement and the space to do so. But that's not sexy. You know, that doesn't really sell a book. Um, so that's kind of the feedback that I've been getting from people and literary agents and publishers. Um, I spoke with a literary agent before I left for Italy that really liked my book proposal. But, you know, her big feedback was I just don't have a big enough platform. You know, she thought the sample chapter I sent to her was well written, the book proposal was well written. But in reality, I just don't have a big platform where a publisher 
is going to be, you know, convinced that they're going to be able to sell, you know, enough copies of the book to make it worth its while. And in the beginning of this, you know, I'm kind of jumping all over the place. Sorry about that. But in the beginning, when I was writing, I really just considered self-publishing because I know some people that have self-published and, you know, that's really easy to do these days. But as I'm finding, I am not a writer by any means. You know, when I'm journaling every day, that was a lot easier because I'm just like, you know, writing down my thoughts and how I feel. I wasn't worried about, you know trying to make it compelling for somebody else to read. Um, so I kind of really been struggling with the actual writing. And the thing about self-publishing is, is that it's, you know, can be, you know, anywhere from three to $5,000 is kind of what I was estimating to get the book made. And then you have to do really all the work, you know, it's a lot of copy and pasting and the, you know, different templates that are available but it takes a lot, a lot of time and a lot of work. And it's just not something that I have been very passionate about, you know, since really I wrapped, you know, my journal up after my one year mark in January, it was very hard to carve out time to write and try to turn. I mean, I have all this amazing content, but then I had to kind of turn it into a book that other people would want to read. And I just really struggled with that. I mean, I'd carve time out and then I would just procrastinate because I just didn't want to do it. You know, I felt like I was in school again, working on a paper that I just had no motivation to do. So it became really difficult. Um, you know, I was able to write a little bit and get my book proposal done, which is basically like an outline of the book. But again, it was now like turning all that content content into and putting it into the chapters that I had decided. And that's really not my area of expertise. You know, I've never been a writer. I don't know how to write a book. Um, so that it actually sells copies and is more appealing to readers. Um, I don't know how to format it, you know. So it was, it's been very overwhelming to me, and um, I'm just not interested anymore in self-publishing because it's just so much work. And in part of it is I just don't have the time, you know, where I'm kind of juggling three different jobs plus being a mom um I really wasn't having any downtime and what I found was that I was really starting to stress myself out with trying to get the book done I was hoping by this summer but you know I just got so stressed that I started triggering myself to want to eat you know sugar go figure when I feel stressed and overwhelmed, that is one of my first um, reactions is to reach for food. So, you know, I have kind of figured out that this is a big trigger for me and I do as much as I can to keep my life as, you know, to try to keep it as stress-free as possible um, and by, you know, doing a lot of self-care to help so that I don't feel completely overwhelmed day to day. 
but the writing just kind of put me over the edge. You know, I'm just like, I cannot add one more thing to my plate. My plate's already pretty full. So then I just kind of decided for a little while that I would just shelve it for a little bit. You know, I decided, you know, I'm just probably realistically not going to self-publish. I have seen some books that are self-published. They did a really beautiful job, but I still feel like you can kind of tell quality-wise for the most part when something is self-published versus being, you know, published by, you know, something more professional. And I just started thinking about, you know, kind of talking to people. Uh, Actually, I have to credit my husband because he was the first to say, I really think you could get like a real publisher for this book. Um, You know, a lot of people, this is something a lot of people struggle with. It's your own personal story. And, you know, health and well, wellness and fitness books, you know, are so common and popular right now. You know, you see it's like every single celebrity recently has, you know, their book about their health routine, um, the, what they, how they diet or work out or whatever. You know, almost every single celebrity I feel like right now has come out with their own book. And of course, they have the platform, right? You know, of course, you're going to probably be more likely to buy Cameron Diaz's book than my book, for instance. You know, I read I read her book. Um, so I think, you know, I decided, okay, well, maybe I could get a publisher. So I got some kind of advice around that from other people that have been published. And that's where the book proposal came. You know, I had to get the book proposal going. And I kind of just started sending it out to different literary agents. I did a little research and found that most publishers don't take anything unless it comes through a literary agent. Again, I have no idea about this publishing world. It's totally brand new to me. And I knew I really needed an editor and someone I was thinking of a literary agent that could be more of a partner and really help me Again, I think I have good content, but I need someone to help me put that into a book. Um, So I was hoping to find, you know, someone like a partner to really, um, who saw my vision and could just help execute it, basically. So um, I did some research and then I went to the bookstore into the, you know, health and wellness section and just started looking at publishers and editors for books that were kind of similar to mine. You know, I looked at like the whole 30 and other kind of healthier, um, lifestyle books. You know, there was a few about, um, how to just get rid of sugar not talking about sugar addiction, but just talking about how sugar wasn't good for you. So I kind of jot down the publisher and the editor and then, Um, So I have this, you know, long list and I'd sometimes be able to track down an email address online or through LinkedIn, um, which LinkedIn, I'll get to this later, but that is the one, I guess, social media type thing that I do. Um, So that's kind of how I found the literary agent that I was excited about, you know, and got this positive email before leaving for Italy. And, um, But then, you know, it totally makes sense to me that she wasn't sure she would be able to sell it to a publisher because I just don't have a big enough platform. And when I asked her, well, what could I do to, you know, grow my platform? 
she said social media. You know, that's what all of your competitors have are these big social media media presences, you know. So, and I've had a couple friends too that have told me even when I, you know, started my podcast and got the website going that you got to have this on social media, you know. We know you don't like it, but you need to get on and that's going to help promote yourself a lot more. So I've kind of been struggling not just with writing the book, but this pressure around possibly having to join social media in order to sell the book. Um, And it just suddenly felt like I'm not being very authentic to myself. And let me kind of talk about why I'm not on social media and I'm really hesitant to go back on social media. I did like have a I think I actually had a MySpace profile, you know, however long ago that was now. And then with Facebook, I did have a profile for a little while. Um, But once I started trying to get pregnant, you know, it took me, you know, a couple years to finally get pregnant successfully. And I had miscarriages and a lot of negative pregnancy tests um, throughout this process. And when I would look at, you know, this is like my early thirties and on social media, everyone else on Facebook is having babies and every single profile picture is a sonogram picture, you know, or, you know, announcing that they're pregnant or whatever. And it just got to be really depressing for me to see that when I'm already struggling And then, um, you know, all these random people that I'm not even really good friends with anymore seem to be having no problems getting pregnant. And it really kind of felt like, well, that's not fair. How come that's so easy for them? Or, and I'm, you know, struggling with this. I did start kind of comparing myself to other people more than I usually would, Um, and I know now that they actually have like a diagnosis around that for social media where people get depressed because, you know, again, on Facebook or Instagram, you know, we're only posting things of like, for the most part of the good stuff. You know, I also was on Instagram just for a little while after my son was born, just to kind of share pictures of him with my family. You know, it was a private setting. I really only had a few friends and then family because I just wanted to share pictures of my son. Um, But again, even just that, it's just, you know, I'm not going to post the picture of you know, the kids having a meltdown, you know, it's the like really nice picture of us smiling and happy where maybe the next minute after that, everyone's crying, but that's not what you see. You know, it's not, it's kind of fake of this whole. And then when you start like comparing yourself to other people, like, oh man, they get to go on vacation and do this. And wow, their kids are happy all the time. And man, their life seems so great. You know, you start comparing and start looking at your own life thinking, you know, what am I doing wrong that this isn't happening for me? And I know a lot of people can kind of, you know, suffer from that kind of depression. And I think 
that would have happened to me. It was just kind of a downward spiral, you know, and I became also, I think having that more addictive personality, I have to be careful because, you know, I, um, I'm even this way with email. Like if someone sends me an email, I get really anxious if I don't respond within 24 hours, like even personal wise, or if someone sends me a text or calls me, like you will see that I get back to you pretty quickly. I don't know a lot of other people that sweat it like I do, you know, like, um, but it kind of bothers me. And so that way, sometimes Facebook was overwhelming because I like felt like I had to keep up on my newsfeed because I didn't want to miss anything. And I had to get back to people and comments and, you know, it just didn't make me feel very good. It felt more compulsive, you know, kind of made me feel, you know, a little bit like I did around eating where it wasn't exactly under my control. So I decided to go off of Facebook um, when I was trying to get pregnant and I haven't been back on Facebook since. And I have to say it's, wonderful. You know, my, um, husband's on Facebook, so he'll kind of, some of my friends or family members are friends with him. So he might, you know, tell me something like once in a while that's on there. I might go on there on his account to look at someone's pictures that they posted. So I know I miss out on a lot of pictures and that type of thing, but for, you know, all of my close friends, you know, I'm in touch with them via email or text or phone call. Um, and same with my family, obviously. So I don't feel like I'm missing out. Um, and I just like the privacy aspect of just having a little more privacy about my life, you know, rather than sharing every single thing. And then I also like that I'm not, you know, I'm already on my phone enough every day, you know, even without social media. So I can't even imagine how much I would be on if I did have like Facebook and Instagram or whatever. I mean, I would probably be obsessed even, you know, more, you know, as it is, I'm on my phone, whether I'm texting with people or looking something up or whatever, um, I definitely don't need to have more screen time. So I've been really happy with my decision to not be on social media. And I feel like my mood has been a lot better that way because I'm not comparing myself constantly to, you know, someone I went to middle school with or whatever, you know? Um, and I did, like I said, go on Instagram briefly after my, probably about a for the first year after my son was born, maybe a little longer. And then more and more people were asking, you know, to be found me on Instagram. And because I'm not on Facebook, you know, all of a sudden, rather than just having this close intimate group to share pictures with my group kind of expanded <coughs> and I found myself, um, you know, comparing myself again to other pictures that might be going on and feeling a little down about it. And then also just checking too frequently. Um, so again, it just didn't feel very good. So it's probably been, um, over two years, maybe even close to, to three years now, um, that I just went off. I was still on for a little bit when my daughter was born. Um, 
but so it's probably been about three years that I've been off completely, um, of Instagram too, because again, it just got to be something that wasn't like fun anymore. You know, it made me actually feel bad and I'm like, why am I doing this? So that's why I'm not on social media. It just didn't work for me. You know, like my husband's on it and he'll spend a little bit of time on it every day, but it's same thing with like eating. He can do both of those things in moderation. I just wasn't able to do that. Um, and I think anything that makes you feel like negative about yourself just isn't good. Um, so I am on LinkedIn though and been on that for, I don't know how long, couple years but that's more for professional, you know, presence, um, so that I can, you know, network and find jobs. You know, I probably, I don't know when I first went on LinkedIn, but I'm sure it was kind of job related and knowing that I didn't have any other social media presence, it's kind of a way at least employers can kind of check me out and make sure that I am somewhat legit, you know, so I am on LinkedIn, but I have to say, like, I'm rarely on there. You know, I was able to find this literary agents on there, contact her. But for the most part, like, I'm maybe on once every two weeks. So I never really look at the posts. I don't post anything. I just kind of have my stuff on there. And, of course, I'm on there more frequently if I'm looking for a job. You know, the time that I was out of a job, I was probably on there almost every day because I was looking for jobs or looking up people to see if I might have a connection here or there to help me get a job. But, um, again, it didn't never made me feel like I, uh, I've never been obsessed with LinkedIn, you know? So that's kind of why I'm not on social media. And so when people were telling me, you know, you need to get on social media to promote your book. That's what people do now. You know, that's how it all starts. Someone might have a blog or an Instagram page, and then all of a sudden they have all these followers, and that's how they get their book, you know, or a TV show or whatever. And I just have to be honest, I just have no desire. You know, I have thought about it probably for the past few months and going back and forth, and people will say, well, you could just have a strictly business page, but I know for me, I wouldn't be able to do that, you know, and I also don't, I'm already having a hard time finding the time, you know, to write this book, but then to have to put the time every day into building a social media presence. Um, so I just feel like these are the things that instead of energizing me, um, these are tasks that are really just depleting me. Um, I am not filling my basket, you know, by doing, trying to write a book and get on social media. So, you know, my gut all along has just said, no, 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 don't do it. And I've been really conflicted because, you know, again, I do really want to write this book so that I can help other people, but at what cost? And what I'm finding is, you know, number, I love you all listeners. I do. And I appreciate all of you, but I also number one, what is most important to me is my own sobriety and not losing all this progress that I made. So if I end up, you know, going on social media just to uh, try to sell a book, 
that's no longer authentic to who I am, number one, but also I'm probably going to trigger myself and start eating sugar again, you know, and go right back to square one. And so that's just what I kind of had to realize recently is that number one is my sobriety. And also, you know, I've already kind of won, like, the jackpot or whatever. I have overcome my sugar addiction. I never thought I was going to be able to do it. So that to me is like the grand prize. You know, do I, you know, do I really need to have a book too about it? Um, and the only reason I say yes is it's nothing to do with, you know, possibly making money or, um, you know, being more successful by saying, oh, wow, I'm a published author. That really, pride-wise, writing the book has nothing to do with it. For me, it's always been more being able to share my story so that I can help other people. And I still want to be able to do that. And I hope that my podcast kind of fills that void because what I have found where writing has been so hard for me Um, doing this weekly podcast has come so easily to me. I love talking. I mean, duh, anyone that knows me knows that. And, you know, a few of my friends are like, we can't believe you haven't had a podcast for years just because you do like talking. And I'd like to say I'm a pretty good listener too, for the most part. Um, But there is something about just talking on, uh, you know, for 45 minutes or whatever, and just feeling really heard and list, you know, I feel like you all are really listening to me and it makes me just feel really good. So thank you. But it's a lot easier for me to speak than it is to write. So I think that's the plan for right now. I mean, I don't want to make any definite declarations, but For right now, you know, I'm kind of putting the book to the side unless I'm lucky enough to come across a publisher or literary agent that would be interested without, you know, me having to go on social media. Um, Because I do think it's a really compelling story. But yeah, I don't know, maybe only like three people would buy the book. So I get it. It's probably not worth it. So again, if my motivation here is to help other people, the I don't have to write a book in order to do that. You know, the podcast is free. Everybody can listen to it. And so I hope that maybe I can help and inspire people through my podcast instead. So that's, you know, my current plan. I have no desire to get on social media, so I'm not going to. But hey, find me on LinkedIn if you want. (laughs) I am there. Um, But I really don't want to... I want to stay authentic to myself, you know, and that's also why I didn't want to write a book that was like, you know, here's the way you give up sugar. This is how you do it. And this is the only way to do it. Follow my steps and you'll be cured of your sugar addiction forever. Cause that I feel like is just someone trying to make a quick buck. It's not, and that's not what I'm trying to do. Like I really, If someone offered me like a million dollars today, um, but then I would have to go off the wagon, you know, I'd have to live the rest of my life being addicted to sugar. There's no way I would do that for any amount of money. I mean, a billion dollars, whatever. There's no way that 
that would be worth giving up the progress that I've made and how much better I feel being sugar-free. So that's kind of huge when I started thinking about that. And again, just my motivation around what I'm trying to do here. I'm also pretty happy right now with my work-life balance of having, you know, kind of a more boring day job, but that's super flexible and that I have the best boss in the world and wonderful coworkers and super flexible. I feel so appreciated for the first time ever in my work and, but it's boring, you know, um, So, but having this event work on the side where I get to go to Maui for a week and yeah, I work really long hours, but I love doing the on-site event work. You know, I, when I used to be an event planner, um, the on-site part execution of the event was always my favorite part. I just kind of come alive, you know, again, when you think about, tasks that you have to do every day that energize you versus tasks that you do that deplete you. Um, you know, the on-site event work is all things that really energize me. Uh, you know, I learned that when I did like a strength kind of builder, uh, workshop at one of my old jobs where they identify, you know, your like your key strengths. And I remember the speaker was talking about how, there might be things that you're good at, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the, they are like filling your basket or giving you that good energy. And so that really like resonated with me because there are some things, tasks that I'm really good at, but that I don't enjoy, you know? Um, so, and with the event planning work, uh, there was some tasks, again, I was really good at the job, but there was some things that I didn't really enjoy. And now taking away all the stuff that I don't enjoy and just doing the on-site part has been perfect for me because it's something that I really enjoy. Plus I get to travel, um, and I love to travel. I don't know if I have a passion like a lot of people do, certainly not, you know, career-wise, but travel is one of my passions. So now, you know, I have my boring day job that's super flexible and allows me to be able to do this kind of side hustle, if you will, of event work that allows me to travel and do my favorite part of the event work. So um, that feels pretty amazing. I just don't know, you know, what else I'd want to do. I don't really want to coach people one-on-one or design some kind of program um, because I really believe truly that in order to overcome sugar addiction forever, you have to figure it out yourself. You know, I'd like to motivate you and give you ideas um, and just help inspire you on your path. But I really think that you have to find what works for you in order to be successful long-term. So that's what's my truth and that's what's authentic to me. And I just don't believe in social media because it's not good for me. It's never made me feel good and I can't do it in moderation. So I am not going to then do that just to try to sell a book or build a some kind of business around this that I'm not even sure 
what that looks like, you know. So all I would like to do for now is continue my podcast. I probably will start um, kind of looking back at some of my journal entries and do some podcasts that about, you know, different chapters of my book, basically. So again, it's a lot easier for me to speak than to write. So I'll just speak my book to you. I'll talk more about, you know, what I was feeling and reading some of my journal entries to you and just kind of do it that way instead of having a book. And if a book comes from it eventually, hey, that's great because I really do still want to find some way, you know, to help people. Um, I am pretty passionate about overcoming sugar addiction as well. So if there's some way that I could combine travel with speaking about overcoming sugar addiction, now we're talking. And I think that's what I realized too. I'd love to have some more, you know, speaking engagements where I really get to talk to people in person about it. That gets me a lot more excited than writing about it. You know, I'm a pretty social person too. So being able to connect with people, especially if I was able to talk to audiences, I would absolutely love that. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I just wanted to give that update. And I so appreciate your support. And I hope that I can continue to help you. If you have any ideas for me, you know, again, please contact me through my website, um, www.unsweetensio.com. Send me an email if you have any ideas for topics about my podcast or as I talked about earlier in this, um, if you are struggling with sugar addiction or have overcome sugar addiction, please contact me if you're willing to come and um, talk on the podcast. I'd love to share your stories with our viewers, and I'd love to just kind of build this community of people. So if you have any suggestions or feedback for me, for me I'd love to hear it. And as always, I so appreciate all of you. And I'm really, really grateful because I feel like having this accountability is what keeps me on track, you know, now too. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. And remember, life is so much sweeter without sugar.